Sailing's fine. not a chilled out holiday. We did apologise to the people as they watched us scratch the boat. <laughs> they said, we've all done it on our first trips. The meals and the food that were provided and the service, the friendliness that we experienced on the pontoons um, was, was really good. I'm Emma and this is Trip Report. On today's episode, I chat with Anne Harrod and her family about their sailing holiday around the Greek islands during the pandemic in August 2020. We talk about all the differences they experienced of travelling during a pandemic and all the ins and outs of a family sailing holiday. But before we begin, have you shared the podcast with a friend? This is like a little gift to me each time you do. You can follow Trip Report on Facebook and Instagram, which both have links to different listening platforms for sharing. I even do a little happy dance each time you share. So back to the episode. Here's my interview with Anne Harrod and her family. So welcome to the podcast, Anne Harrod, Anthony, Ellie and Bethan. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having us. So you guys have just returned from an island hopping trip to Greece, which sounds amazing. Can you start off by telling us what were the dates that you went and was there a specific reason that you chose Greece? Uh, we flew out on the 26th of July and then back on the 2nd of August. Uh, we started learning to sail last summer and the kids had the idea that that was going to be a sunbathing type sailing, but in Pembrokeshire, no sun. And they got talking about where <laughs> they would want to go, bit. a bit of sun, where they'd like to go. And Greece was one of the places and they like Mamma Mia. Yeah, it was, um, we had a skipper teaching us last year and he suggested that we do a fertility um, trip specifically because it would help us out um, having someone there to guide us through it. But we didn't, well, we didn't even think we were going until the 10th of July when they contacted us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had to go. With a panic shock of stuff and luckily the cats are booked into the catchery. Yeah. <laughs> so did you not... Did you think that it was going to be cancelled? Yeah, I had high hopes. I was like, we're going to stay <laughs> Otherwise, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And it, it happened. Everyone yeah. else was it, it, Even when we, we were allowed to travel from the UK, the yeah. Greeks were still not allowing people in. Mm. And they didn't change their mind until the 15th of yeah. July. Uh, so it was pretty late wow. before we knew it was going to happen. Mm. And then as we went, the Spanish uh, quarantine rules came in. So then even on the way out, we worried that we might end up quarantining on the way back. So it was a bit, bit of a nuisance. Mm, yeah, but they, on the whole island of um, Lefkada, yeah. um, they only had one case. Yeah. So it was, it's quite low out there. Mm. But we had the same issue as like, um, people went to the Spanish islands and um, they yeah. didn't, they weren't affected by the mainland outbreak, but they were still having to do the quarantine. So we were like, well, there's no cases here, but if mainland Greece gets yeah. shut down, yeah. we're going to quarantine as well. So tell me more about what a flotilla trip is. Um, well a flotilla is a group of boats that you all start from the same place and you go to the marina together at the same time but what you do in the day is basically your own choice so you can sail all day, go to another marina, go to a cove, you just need to be in the next bay by a certain time and you have a lead boat which has got a skipper who's in charge of the flotilla, an engineer and a social rep person who organises things and they will take charge. So if you've got any problems 
they're there to help you and they're always at the marina first to help you come alongside mm -hmm. and there can be any number of boats i think up to probably about 20 plus boats in a flotilla whereas the other option is a what they call a bare boat and that's just you hiring the boat and doing your trip yourself there are some downsides to it we have to be in the port quite early to what we thought we had to do because the wind doesn't come up until the afternoon but we did see that that helped us because they were there and they kind of reserved the spaces because you can't book moorings out there so it did it did help a lot and I think we definitely do flotilla again because it's easier. Sometimes they even eat together um, on the moorings um, as like a big table but because of the Covid we couldn't so it was less sociable than it would have been. So had you planned this trip before Covid? Yeah, yeah. we booked yeah. it in January and um, we um, had a bit of research online at different sailing companies online and went with Sunsail flotillas and bare boat and they had a couple of routes in Greece it was either Greece or Croatia but we went with the Greece um, and booked it with them then okay and so did they cater for all different abilities mm, more or less you had to have your one person in the group had to have their day skipper certificate so that you could sail the boat mm -hmm. if you didn't if one person didn't have their day skipper then you weren't allowed to book if that was the case then you could hire a skipper to take you out on the trip then so last year Anthony got his day skipper certificate so that we could do that this year people learn out there so you can go out there and get the skipper and get qualifications out there but you kind of want to have a little bit of experience or a bit of knowledge about what you're expecting because you are handling the boat and it's it is not it's not one person handling the boat there needs to be quite a few people doing the things and helping out so you do need to have some experience have some idea of what you're expecting when you hire a skipper to teach you okay and were you worried about traveling during the corona pandemic um a bit i wasn't as much but you were. I think because we had, well, we hadn't left Pembrokeshire for so long and we'd been so used to being at home and only going to the shops, we noticed differences along the way. So in Wales, there was no face mask ruling, but then once we hit into England, face masking was compulsory as well as in the airport. I think the airport was quite, I suppose, daunting or strange in a way because it was so busy and the, the behavior of everyone yeah. the behavior of other people stress you out more there's some people that are really really stressed about it and they should really be there because they're not they're not handling it great themselves and that kind of stresses you out a little bit as well and it's also it kind of disappears like you're not queuing socially distancing you're not really well you're so there. used to keeping so far apart and then none of that happens on the plane and in the airport yeah they're all you're even if you're not in the same family you're sitting next to each other because the plane was three and three so as there's four of us um, and we had to go on the other three with another family and there was no spacing but you still have, you obviously have to wear your mask but there wasn't but you could eat so yeah. you had to take your mask off to eat on the plane okay and was there any other differences that you found at the airport or was it just the mask wearing that was different uh, there was people guiding you saying go into this two meter spot like in the cafe area like go into here go into here but you mm -hmm. still would be not you would be two meters away from each other mm -hmm. 
they were very good at organising that way. There was limited yeah. restaurants and eating facilities. But the time we went, things were starting to open a bit more. Whereas a week before, when I was looking at the airport, there was hardly any mm. catering facilities there. We were quite lucky that things were starting to open a bit more. And did you have to have temperature checks at all? No. Oh, um, Not when we arrived in the UK, they were doing, um, you know, when they screen you, you don't have to have it specifically for you, but they've got cameras up and there was a lady watching right. your temperature. Coming back in. Um, yeah, so when you do your passport, when you do the electronic passport, we went through there, there was a sign saying, oh, we're trialling out this um, infrared camera thing. On the boat, um, every day you had to write where you're going to and where you've left, and then you have to do your temperature and write that down um, for everyone on the boat. And if you didn't do that? And if you didn't do it, and got a fine, you got a fine. It was like one like fifteen hundred euros for yeah. skipper or something. It was a really big fine. Yeah, I think that's just really interesting what you're saying about the airport because obviously a lot of people will be interested to hear about how it's changed with the corona pandemic. And I think a lot of people are scared to fly at the moment, and not everywhere has the you know the two week quarantine on return. And did Greece have that quarantine when you flew? No. Yeah. No, it released. It was released on the fifteenth of July. Yeah. yeah. But we did have to fill out a form before going to Greece and on the way back. Yeah. yeah. To say sort of who was in the group going, passport details, and where we would be staying and going, and then we also had to do do the same for returning into the UK. Oh, okay. So they keep they're sort of keeping an eye on it. Yeah, it was when we went to Greece, like every point, so checking your bags, passports, and then when you got to Greece, they were asking for the QR code to prove you've done the form. Mm -hmm. When we returned to the UK, we weren't okay. aware of the form until the day before we left. Um, so we did it really frantically. We were quite, quite worried about it because we didn't know, and no one asked for it. No. So, <laughs> and people were still doing it on the plane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> people were worried they wouldn't be able to get in because I think Greece was like, you have to do it. 48 hours before, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, and they said that you were going to have to have a temperature check when you get to Greece, but no one yeah. checked at all. Okay, so it's not just us that's rubbish then. <laughs> yeah, and it brings a lot of anxiety in you because you're expecting yeah. these things to happen and then they don't happen. Mm. Mm. They did give everyone a hand sanitizer pack when they got on, on the plane, and like they kept coming around for rubbish and you put your rubbish in the bag and. Yeah. And how was travelling on the plane with a mask? Was it okay? Hot. Uncomfortable, but yeah. it wasn't unbearable. Like, you kind of got used to it. it. They were short hauls, so it was all right. I mm. wouldn't want to do it for seven hours to mm. And was it the same as the guidelines are in the UK, where under 11s are exempt? Yeah. Yeah, but there were kids who did wear the mask. I, don't, I didn't think it said that anywhere in Greece, but in the airport and on the plane, the sign specifically yeah. said under 11s are exempt but you do notice a lot of families have their young children wearing masks anyway I think they'd rather their children wore a mask even if they are under 11 yeah and then there was no rules when you were in Greece with shops we did have to wear it on the transfer bus and they did say they advised wearing a mask so but then when we were out there they made it the law that you had to wear it and then you were fined on the spot 150 euros if you didn't wear one. Yeah, that like the was police hard. would go through and into the random shops and see if anyone wasn't wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. I see. Okay, so starting off with your trip, you 
did you, you obviously left and arrived on the 26th of July and what happened when you arrived? So we got picked up from the airport by a transfer for Sunsail and they took us to Lefkas Marina. Mm -hmm. We arrived a bit early for boarding the boat, a few hours, so we just left our bags to one side, obviously kept keeping our valuables with us. I went off for a wander to get some food, so we had our first Greek sharing, I think, gyros? Can say gyros. No, it's not gyros. <laughs> I, it's eros. Yeah. Yeah. People say over here say gyros or gyros, gyros. but it's just kebab meat, but a little bit fresher and less fatty. Yeah, it's way better. Mm -hmm. um, and then once we were fueled with food, we went to a nearby supermarket to go and stock up on some provisions and they would then deliver them to the boat for us. So we made sure we had enough for breakfast and lunch the next day, knowing that we wouldn't really need evening meals, just those two meals. And we were, about five o'clock, we were allowed on the boat. So we saw our boat for the first time mm -hmm. after checking in and actually discovering I hadn't booked us onto the flotilla route I thought I had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone had looked up the route we were going and we went on a totally different route in the end but that's neither here nor there and it's just as much fun wherever we were going and the boat was a 38 foot boat so it's quite a big boat for what we sailed in last year and it had three cabins or three rooms and you could fit two people in each room but it's a bit of a squeeze even with one person and some of them and you're mostly living out of your bags. Yeah. Uh, you don't really need your rooms during the day anyway. So basically just shove everything in the rooms that you don't need out and about, shut the doors, sail, and then move things out or move them to the side while you sleep then. It's like living in a caravan um, where everything has to be stowed away as if you were driving because we're sailing, so the boat's moving. So you're very living your bags, everything's in the cupboards, and you're mainly on top of the boat or out eating unless you're sleeping yeah and did you have to take everything like was everything provided or yeah um, did you have to bring anything extra house and bedding were provided in a plastic bag yeah that was another covid change they made sure everything was sealed so the bedding was all sealed in a bag for us to make the beds the cutlery the glassware all that stuff was sealed and so you knew it was clean the only thing we needed to sort out was basically food oh and snorkels normally snorkels would be provided on board but because of covid we took our own and we did book a paddleboard so that was provided for us then as well and all the sailing equipment was provided all that, yeah. so life jackets and safety equipment was all on board yeah. Um, you know, th there was nothing we needed in order to sail the boat that no. wasn't on there. Yeah. And did you have cooking equipment or how did meal times go? Uh, yeah, there was cooking equipment there. There was saucepans, kettles, bowls, even a cafeteria for some decent coffee in the morning. That was all provided for us. Not that we used it much. So a, you could cook a decent meal on there if you wanted to. There's well, enough. Well, we did last year, didn't we? The yeah. Similar facilities last year. And we were cooking on board in the evenings because we were often at sea. 
whereas in Greece, you're more likely to be alongside and use the restaurants, to be honest. So your trip last year, was that around the UK? Yeah, Pembrokeshire. Yeah, it was just around the coastline where we live. Okay. Yeah. Cool, so that was like a little taster and then you loved it so much, hence why you booked yeah. it. Yeah. Amazing. Right, so then the next day, the 27th. Well, we had the boat handed over to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, only Anthony could stay on board because of COVID. They could only have one member of the family on board while the member of Sunsail came over and did a sort of a handover, show Anthony how the engine worked. Yeah, so they, they do a full handover to the skipper of all the equipment on board, both the upper deck equipment and the sails and the rigging and the lines. Um, and then they go through the engine, um, all the valves and things on board. So if you're in charge of the yacht, it's important to know that things are to stick out of the yacht that could go wrong. Um, and they're very thorough. I was very impressed with the engineer. I learned loads myself because he went through absolutely everything from front to back um, and, and left you feeling pretty confident about how, how to manage it and how you're going to manage the week. So I think if we were going off bare boat, it would have been absolutely fine, but we still have the engineer to, to support. So yeah, we, we, that was the handover. Um, and then I suppose it's the skipper's job to, because the family weren't on board to then try and educate everybody else into what to do. Um, so we had a bit of a brief handover, but we'd been on board for 24 hours by then. So we'd all had a bit of an explore and it was similar to the boat from last year. So we were pretty okay with it, weren't we? Mm-hmm. We just wanted to get, get going and get yeah. to see and work it out as we went really, which is what we did. And there was also a briefing with everyone who was on your flotilla and like the skipper, like the better, the lead boat. So they did like a run through of the week and what was happening that day. Mm. We had them daily then. So every, at nine o'clock, dad would go off and listen to what the plan was the day, kind of the deadline for getting in and stuff and the winds. And that was really useful. We sort of slipped into it. So dad would go with that. You girls would get the boat ready for the day, stowing stuff, bringing the stuff in off the rails that we put out to dry overnight. I'd go to the shops and get lunch. And we sort of got into a quite a good little routine during the week then. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then where did you have to sail on that first day? The first day we went to Sivota, which is also on the same island on Nicada. It wasn't too far away. Uh, we left probably mid-morning around about 11-ish I think and then we sailed out under engine down the sort of yeah down the canal and found a little bay that we anchored in for our first stop so we were all getting hungry for lunch that was our first sort of attempt at anchoring and finding somewhere that wasn't too busy we got a bay to ourselves which was a bonus that went um, well. We had a paddle board as well and went to the beach and found out that the beaches are so stony. <laughs> They're not sandy beaches. No. <laughs> and did you have to get permission to anchor and to stop? No. no. Um, on the chart, which is a sea map of the area, there's, there's little anchors in bays yeah. so that you know where you are supposed to. Well, where you're allowed to anchor. Yeah. Isn't it? So, yeah. And your whole flotilla stayed in that area as well? No, no. Um, once we left, then we all went off to our, on our own devices and uh, some of them left later than us, some left before us. Uh, 
it was just what you wanted to do during the day. And then we headed out then after we had lunch, we headed to Sivota. We were last the last time. ones to arrive. Oh, yeah, we, we did put sails up. Yeah. which was interesting <laughs> oh so last time the boat was used it was the sails were put down in the storm so they're quite difficult to then put up because of the oil tangle so it was the first experience that year that we'd had of putting sails up and it went terrible <laughs> yeah and um, daddy was on the um, yeah shouting instructions at the three of us to pull on ropes and do things with sails that we couldn't quite remember what was called what and what to do. Everything has very complicated names which really don't mean what they yeah. say. So <laughs> things weren't working too smoothly and it didn't go too well. But we got there eventually. Sales, that was it. Yeah. And we got them down and we got into Savota and we had a bit of a breezy wind coming in to help us, well to hinder us coming alongside. It went a little bit close to the other boat that was already there and Daddy caused a scratch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, because we were first, we was our first time uh, reversing onto the mooring, like in Greece, because we'd practiced it last year, but um, that was, it was not the same. No. Same. In, in, um, in Greece, um, because the, the, the moorings will be really, really busy, um, you want to reverse onto the pontoon so they can fit more boats side by side, whereas in the UK you go um, side two. So it's quite complicated because boats aren't designed to go backwards. So you have to have quite a lot of power and be very confident in it. So that's quite hard. And because you didn't have enough power reversing, we couldn't alter our course once we were on course of scratching the boat. Um, but you have two lines at the back, you throw or you jump off, and you have an anchor sometimes or a, a line that's um, tied to the bottom of the the seat basically and then you tie it onto a boat and just stay there then it's yeah. better than it fits more people onto the pontoon then mm -hmm. yeah well they we did apologize to the people as they watched us scratch the boat <laughs> they were part of the same flotilla so it was fine yeah. and yeah. they said we've all done it on our first trips it didn't cost us anything it no. wasn't no. a bad scratch no <laughs> so did you say every evening you'd all eat together as a flotilla or few evenings depending on what pontoon you went on to because obviously you had your electricity and water and aircon so if you ate at like the restaurants own the pontoon and then if you eat at the restaurant you get the electricity water and aircon free so we usually would eat all together or uh, on separate tables but on in the same restaurant if we didn't pay for the electricity yeah so Zavotto is one of those examples where there was a restaurant attached to the where we moored up and we, so we all had a table there then and ate. So we had amazing foods. Yeah. Prawns in a tomato and feta sauce, mm. baked feta. Yeah. Um, amazing food. Apart from our free day, we went to the restaurants the flotilla told us to go to. And sometimes you have to because the electricity, and sometimes it's kind of like you don't really need to. Mm. Um, and most of the food is really good, it's quite repetitive. But then sometimes you get stuck with a bad restaurant, you're like, well, we shouldn't yeah. have gone here. But I think if you do the same route again, you know those things, and you mm. kind of say, oh, that restaurant wasn't good. So a lot of people do it again and again. For yeah. that reason. And also, um, as there wasn't as many of us, you couldn't really break off from the group you kind of had to stay because it would be more obvious if you weren't there but as like normally there's like 20 plus boats so it's it was only 
out of there's eight of us. Yeah, but out of the nights, only three of them were set to Vernes to eat mm -hmm. out. Yeah. yeah. And so then after Savota, where did you go then? We went the to day. we went to Fiscado on on Catalonia. And how I meant to ask as well, how was it sleeping on the boat? It was all right. I liked I it. I quite liked it. It was because we obviously had the aircon on and sometimes the fan if we weren't hooked up to electricity. But it was it was quite nice. Like it wasn't terrible mm. or anything. A couple of the smaller boats didn't have aircon hookup, so they relied on fans. We were the large. Our sizes and up had aircon, so that did help a lot. The beds were comfortable, yeah. it was dark. And, yeah, yeah nice. I didn't buy it. It was nicer than yeah. sleeping in the UK because in the UK the water is a bit more choppy and tidal, yeah. Yeah. whereas there's no tides out there that matter yeah. and there's no swell and it's really peaceful. You're not really bobbing that much, like you don't really notice it after you've been at sea. So. Yeah, mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah, what was the next place? Piscardo, was it? Yeah, Pescada. So um, they had the normal morning routine of brief tidying up the boat and shopping. Mm -hmm. And Bethan had a bout of seasickness that day and yes. sort of went over the side. Well, guardrails. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't that choppy, no. but it was a bit for her. So we did the usual, well, our routine was pretty much sail in the morning, usually under engine because there wasn't enough wind to get the sails up, find a bay and have lunch. Everyone had a good swim and a paddleboard. And then the winds would pick up in the afternoon and we were able to get the sails up then and do some real sailing. Where we moored every day. Yeah, and then, no, um, because no, no, no. oh, it was so early, we didn't do that. Yeah, so Fiscado, we had to be in by one o'clock, and we did decide to look for a bay, so we kind of went along the coastline. Yeah. But a lot of the bays are quite shelf shelved. So in the UK, there's a beach that goes right out to sea, so it's um, a slope, so you can quite easily find where to put your boat. Whereas um, a lot of the bays are kind of really, really deep, so like too deep for your anchor, and then suddenly there's a shelf, and it's quite dangerous because you can run aground if you don't see the shelves. Um, so we did try that that day, but there was nowhere to like safely do it. So we went straight. Well, we got the sails up and for a bit, and then came in and had a late lunch in Fiscardo. Yeah, because um, obviously we had to get in there by one, as like it's really busy in Fiscardo. So um, everyone was kind of like on the radio. You could hear everyone was in a queue, and you could see with the binoculars. So we just tacked around and then waited to go in. Piscada is quite a busy place to go to. They call it the Monaco of yeah. Greece. And there was like a massive boat that like was just out out of the bit out of like the marina, but it was just there, just mm -hmm. just going around. The, yeah, and there's lots of very big fancy boats there and it does get yeah. Yeah. so we yeah, looked up one of them and it's like a newly built um, boat from Monaco that this billionaire rents out every week and it's like like 500,000 for a week and then <laughs> probably more than that <laughs> that must have been quite scary having to sail between them yeah. then yeah. yeah so we um Piscardo was nice it was, yeah it was very busy there but because of the way we moored up we weren't um on a, a, on a pontoon we were basically rafted together so we were all tied in a line and then we had lines hooked to the rocks behind us to keep us steady with the anchors out the front so that meant going along to go out for our dinner meant getting the tender out which is the boat little sort of 
boat attached to the big sailing boat. Dinghy. Yeah, the dinghy. And involved tying it up to a wall and trying to get out of the tender as gracefully as you can with people sitting right next to you having their dinner. They helped us though. Like, yeah. they, they attempted to help us. They weren't like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, they did help us. It was normal. Yeah. Uh, so that was an experience as well. If you go to Viscardo though, go to Ellis's. Yeah. That's the restaurant. That was my favourite restaurant. amazing. We had mussels and pasta. Yeah. And it was right on the beach. So, and we could see the sunset over the boats mm -hmm. and the hills. Uh, sort of the type of boats you got in Viscardo with, with the big ones, they would more right up to the marina, but the oh. staff from the restaurants would then go on board the boat to serve them the dinner. They wouldn't even leave the boat to go out and for their dinner. And you could even literally step off onto like the, the wall and there would literally be a table right there, but they didn't. They just hired the people to come onto the boat. It's like, there's no point being here if you're gonna do that. It's showing off, it's just they mm. buy these big plants. Yes. And then they'd, they'd have these the LED lights along and then the water around them would be like purple or blue or green or something. Mm. One good thing in Fiscardo, the um, chandlery shop, the ship yeah. shop, um, we found a whale, Welsh flag, so we could tie that up onto the boat then to show where we were from, and the shop owner got just as excited as we were at seeing it because it was the first one he'd sold of the season. <laughs> did you notice, or from speaking to people, did you find that it was a lot quieter than it should have been? Very yeah. much so, yeah. Everyone was saying um, that it, this isn't busy, but we felt that was busy. Yeah. For example, we, we had eight boats in our flotilla, which would normally be 25. Um, you know, we went to many marinas, we thought it was really busy, but their measure of busy would be all the boats having to anchor off and not be able to get in. So it, it felt like the start of their tourist season rather than the middle of it. And was there lots of other British people or what kind of nationalities? There was a good mix. On our flotilla, it was mostly British people. It was all British. No, there was a on the, no, so no. on our flotilla, it was all yeah. British. And then there was a flotilla that was running at the same time that had a lot of mixed nationalities. I think it's just yeah. pop up, really. Um, there was and other boats as well that weren't part of the flotilla. There was mainly European, but like yeah. French, yeah. German. Swedish. Yeah. It, sailing in Greece is very multinational. There are lots of different um, nationalities sailing, um, but they tend to use different companies. Some sell is traditionally a British company. It does have some Germans as well, but, but generally it's British. So after Fiscardo, where did you go after that? We went to, would you go to Iofima? On Catalonia still. We went down the coastline then. Mm -hmm. That was that was nice. You ended up kind of parking your boat on the high street, so very exposed. Mm. Uh, I think that's the first kind of night we went. We needed to lock the boat. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. It was you like you walk down your normal high street, and instead of cars, there's boats. Okay. Yeah, and could you reverse as well, so you could see into the cabin. And mm. It was quite exposed. That was right. It was, our, it was our best sailing day, wasn't it? Yeah. So we we'd sailed and we knew there was a big bay outside Ifema, outside the destination. Um, and we thought that if we went south and east for a while, we'd be able to come back up into the wind. And there was, as we were going out, there was just no wind. We thought this is going to be absolutely hopeless. So we got as far as we thought we'd dare and turned around thinking, that's it, we're going to be on the motor all the way in. 
but the wind just picked up almost immediately and mm. we got the sails up and we went from for, for the sailors we went up from having full sails and needing to put a reef in to reducing the amount of sails to, to loads of sailing maneuvers tacking downwind legs um, mm. it was probably about an hour hour and a half but it was brilliant sailing wasn't it you were yeah. you were really good because you learned like how to handle the helm really well yeah. so the yeah. experience you got from that was really good so mm. after um i wouldn't say disastrous sails on the monday but knowing we learned that it's best to have Anthony on the sails with Ellie and Beth and, and me on the helm so that Anthony could then help and tell the kids what to do. So I was on the helm steering the boat then because you have to have it in a certain, you have to have it going into wind to put the sails up and put the sails down because it depowers the boat then. You don't want any power in your sails because it's too hard to handle. So on this day when the winds was coming down and we were able to sail I was on the helm and the wind isn't continuous it sort of comes in waves and it has a bit of a warmth to it as well so you could feel the warmth building up as the power of the wind built up as well and then you can feel it dying down and cooling down and we managed to get the boat up to 7.2 knots which is probably pretty much as fast as those boats would go then so that was the best day of sailing I think we had 18 knots of wind at the most, I think. Yeah. So it's quite a lot. That must have been quite exciting going quite fast. Loved it. It was. <laughs> Loved it. <laughs> Did you manage to get so fast on your previous trip in Pembrokeshire? Uh, yeah, probably. We had days with more wind, but the boats are limited then. You can't do quite as much sailing. Um, so I don't think we would have probably got the speed up. Um, mm-hmm. um, on the way to Ayafima, we did a, another lunch stop, I think, as well, didn't we? Where did we stop? We did another base stop. That was the international base stop. Ooh. Yeah, we learned there's um, foreign politics, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <so. laughs> it's, it's like um, rushing to get your um, sun lounger at the hotel. Yeah. <laughs> you have to get to your bay. Did you get there first? <laughs> yeah, so we had to... We, we started to learn how um, Mediterranean anchorages work because it's quite different to the UK. In the UK, you drop all your anchor in one place and you rely on the weight of the chain to hold you. Whereas the, um, in Mediterranean more um, anchorages, you reverse as you put your anchor down, so you're relying on the anchor biting in the ground. So we reversed um, to anchor and we, we kind of um, left this other boat quite far away from us, but I was on the anchor and I didn't drop it. Um, in time when um, dad asked for it so we ended up quite far back than we planned and it meant that we were swinging with the wind and the current um, into where they were swinging on their anchor so we got quite close to each other we had to kind of reverse a little bit more it was we learned a lot from it yeah we learned a lot it was a point that um daddy was off on the paddleboard and the boat was moving quite close to the other boat and i think him mm, the only person that knows what to do isn't on board at the moment <laughs> But all was good, and you got some. You got more paddleboarding in. Yeah. I got some swimming in, to the point that the I wasn't getting any closer to the boat because the boat was drifting further away on its anchor, 
and I kept having to try and catch up to the boat. <laughs> I think that we also learned the benefit of these things called long lines, where you put a line from the back of your boat onto a rock on the shore because it keeps you in one line and it means that lots and lots of boats can be in the bay without worrying about hitting each other as the winds pick up and things. Mm -hmm. um, so we learned yeah. to do that then. But you need days like that to learn yeah. about things. Yeah. yeah, You learn something new every day, really. I can imagine it's quite a lot to take in if you're learning, but then once you get into the rhythm of it, like you're saying, different people fall into different jobs. And yeah, I think I would. I wanted to do another week, but at the same time, you're really, really tired because it takes a lot out of you. You don't really feel like you're doing a lot of physical work, but the um, thinking it through, especially for Dad the skipper, and um, like thinking about the manoeuvres that you have to do and being on your feet all the time is quite um, exhausting. Always something to do. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so then where did you go after your not so great anchorage? <laughs> uh, we, we went, went to Alfinia. We went to into uh, Alfinia. Um, it's dinner then. Yeah, that yeah. was a hot night because the electrics weren't working too good, so we didn't have aircon that night mm -hmm. or power, so we had to keep the switch, the fridge off overnight mm. to help save the battery power of the boat then yeah it does get quite cold at night like it's not unbearable um we stay out quite late we did the whole mediterranean eat at nine kind of thing stay out quite late and then by the time you go to bed it is really it's like uk kind of evenings and then um by the time you go to sleep it does get cold enough that the fans are blowing cold air and not just hot air at you mm. so it did, it did work yeah. out quite well it was a nice thing at being at sea during the day because you have got that cool sea air then because it did get quite hot when we were alongside during the day and we really struggled with sunburn the first day because I'm quite pale and I catch quite easily so I was putting on lots of sun cream I'm usually okay when I go abroad because I expect to be sunburned but I have I couldn't I had to buy clothing so a rash vest to put over me because like no amount of sunscreen would stop me burning really. The good thing with the boats though with going about the burning and the sun protection they have got canopy over them over the helm where you're steering and they stay up all the time when you're sailing so you are in the shade while you're at sea then what kind of temperatures were you experiencing like 38 uh, the highest was 38 or yeah. 40 uh they were kind of like i guess 30s yeah. kind of high 20s low 30s it didn't feel like that apart from no. when you came in because you were making a breeze over the boat as you travelled so it yeah. wasn't that bad. In the mornings when like I went shopping one day with my mate was baking like you were literally like sweating it was so hot <laughs> but then when you got out of sea you just don't really feel it as much even when you're in the water it's not as bad. Great and then where did you go after that? Uh, the next day was a free okay. sail day so it was up to us where we went so Anthony and Ellie looked at the chart and worked out where we needed to be the following day then and they came up with a plan to go to Bathy on Ithaca we weren't the only ones going there there was we heard of another boat that were heading that way as well so we did uh, so we headed off to Bathy and got a bit of sailing in on the way and a usual bay lunch stop. That bay lunch stop was a bit more successful than the day before and we did attempt at doing a long line to the rocks to make us more stable. 
and that resulted in well Ellie and Bethan were supposed to go to the rocks to tie the rope around and then discovered the only person that was well 100% sure on tying the knots was Anthony so he sort of secured us up with the anchor and then went in the tender with Bethan the reason Ellie was going because Ellie was the only one that could row <laughs> so <laughs> it took them a little while to get Anthony and Bethan to get to the rock but it all good in the end and they tied and we did our first long line securing to the rocks then and mm. uh, we had a nice hour or so there and then I untied the rope and got pulled along no mm. someone else untied it that time untied no, no that, was, that was the first time I was brave enough to okay. actually swim out to the rock yeah and unhook it and then I got pulled back in quite quickly by Bethan <laughs> <laughs> back on board then so when you um, release it, someone has to go onto the rocks and untie it, and then you can do it in two. So someone then swims onto the boat, and then when everyone's on the boat, you then um, lift your anchor and use your anchor motor to pull, push the boat forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we arrived in Vathi. We attempted to moor up along the wall. Mm. It didn't go quite according to plan. Um, mooring up with Beth and I trying to sort of do the ropes as well so we decided to give up and try again in a different location and while we were doing that we noticed another boat from our flotilla and they saw us so they then went out onto the wall and helped us alongside mm -hmm. which made things go a bit smoother than it could have gone mm -hmm. And we had a very nice evening in Bathy with them. We went for cocktails in a bar just down the road from the boat. And they'd been on many flotilla with sun sail in the area and had been to Bathy before. So they took us to a lovely restaurant just off the main street of restaurants. Mm -hmm. And we had a really nice night there. Amazing food. Lots, Lots of shopping. Lots of shopping. <laughs> I think that's the main thing that we found is that don't get pulled into the main sort of restaurants because if they're not busy, they can be all right and the food's all right. But when it gets really, really busy, um, it, it gets too much really. So um, go off and it doesn't look like there's much behind the first kind of row of houses, but there was quite a lot in the back streets and it's really nicer. Mm, really pretty as well. Mm. We were stayed up quite late that night. You were yeah. shopping till midnight. <laughs> So all the shops are open a lot later than we're used to then. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Don't, they sort of, a few are open during the day, we noticed when we were there in the mornings or got there early in the afternoon. They don't really kick off until six, seven o'clock at night when people mm -hmm. start going out. And it felt safe. Me and Bethan went shopping by ourselves and it was some dark alleys, but I, we felt really safe. We wouldn't do that here at that time of night, but... I think it was perfectly safe for us to go off um, yeah. by ourselves. There was loads of kids out at like half 11 on their bikes by themselves. Like I think there were like even eight year olds just out at like half 11 at night, mm -hmm. which you would not even dream of doing here. Cool. What was next? Um, the next was a sailing to Spartacori, another sailing day, yeah. <laughs> to Spartacori. Uh, the people we'd been in Bathy with had told us about um, a little island nearby that had 
two bays. One was called Cliff Bay and the other was One House Bay on Nissos Aftaco. So we headed out that way to see what we could, well, to see what it was like. We couldn't get moored into Cliff Bay, but we went round to One House Bay and managed to anchor up there and spent a good couple of hours in the bay swimming, paddleboarding. There were pigs on the beach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and two, there was two other boats there as well from the same flotilla. They'd spent the night there. So rather than going into a marina, they anchored off on the, in the bay then and just spent the night. And they'd seen dolphins in the morning. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think if you're, if you're confident that you can kind of bring enough food with you and find somewhere, um, it's quite nice to go into a bay. It's what we did in Wales because then you're um, by yourself, by the beach and enjoying that mm-hmm. part of it. And you don't get the busy lunchtime rush hour getting into the bays because um, that's quite, it was really busy when we were there. So I can't imagine what it's like when 20 boats need to get into the bay. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I can imagine it could be quite stressful if you're not careful. Yes, um, quite a few, a lot, throughout the week, a few bays got passed by because there was just too many boats that we felt comfortable trying to squeeze. If you're more confident, you probably could have squeezed mm-hmm. in, but we weren't confident enough to try and do it with that many boats in. So we would always try and find a quieter spot to go. Yeah. And we arrived in Spartacore. That was a very hot mm. evening as well and we could only have either electric or aircon hook up at any one time you guys went off to the, we went off to the beach and we did that in the tender driving the paddleboard i think that was not the worst one but that kind of had the most difficulty bit difficult things so when we went to the beach there was sea anemones and urchins on the stones where you were trying to swim paddleboard so i think you got like on your hands you got stung oh I, yeah I put my hand on um, and seen enemy and pricked my finger yeah it was really really hot and um so there's no air con and that was quite bad we either had to choose between your fridge and your air con really um and then the restaurant food wasn't the best that we'd mm-hmm. had was... that week no that was a, a restaurant that we had to eat in and it wasn't the best of all the experiences we had that wasn't the best one but it was nice to be sociable with everybody anyway and there was a nearby village a short walk away so we did walk up the hill to go and have a look around that which was amazing it was these really narrow streets that when the village was built it was basically built around the only transport was horses Mm -hmm. so you couldn't really fit cars around it no it was very pretty and the view then across the marina was amazing and you could see mainland Greece as well from that. And then you left Spartacori and then did you go back to Lefkas? Yeah. So we uh, left quite late from Spartacori because the girls wanted to get one more paddleboard in out to the beach and go and collect some rocks and some stone and some shells. The, um, the night before, me and Bethan went paddleboarding and we found these little beaches that had been made because um, um, on the cliffs, really, and then you had to paddleboard them. So we went to this little beach and we got loads and loads of really pretty shells, like really tiny ones, and we put them on the paddleboard and then Bethan 
got on the paddleboard and she fell and she swiped them all off the paddleboard into the sea. So then we went back in the morning and got them and put them in a bag. So it's a bit of a lazy day on the Saturday back and we headed back up to the bay. We first stopped off on the Monday. The winds weren't great on the last day, so it was pretty much under engine, which wasn't a bad thing. We had learned that week that it's, you don't always have to get the sails up. You can do have just a nice time under engine and you can put it on autopilot. So as long as you've got somebody keeping an eye out, you can have pretty much a chilled sail under engine on autopilot. It's always nicer to have sails up because the motor is quite loud. The sailing boats aren't really designed to be motored quite fast as well. Um, so it is nice to get the sails up and have that peaceful time, but it was quite nice to motor places as yeah. well. Yeah. And I think the differences between how busy the bay was from when we first found it to when we decided to go there on Saturday, I think we were there on our own on the first day. And then by Saturday, um, probably later, I think four boats were there um, yeah. in the time that we got there. And it was a small bay next to a bigger bay that most boats will go to. So the season really started to pick up as we were going home. But that was also because it was a weekend. So you get all the sort of weekenders out as well as the holiday makers out then as well on the flotillas. And then was that the end of your trip? Yeah, yeah so we headed back to Lefkas and tidied up, packed up. Washed down. washed down the deck because we had to be off the boat by nine o'clock the following morning so it's quite nearly late you had to make sure everything was tidied and packed and ready to go and we went for a meal that night we went to a restaurant we went to a week before because we had a really nice meal there there's quite a difference between a sunday night meal and a saturday night meal it was very busy service was a lot it was worse than it was the week before and it was, I think if we'd eaten there first, we wouldn't have gone back again on if we'd had that service on the Saturday. So it's quite a contrast to what time of night, what time of week, sorry, it is, the type of, it's sort of how busy it is then. Yeah. It also, again, proved how the season was really starting to pick up. Yeah. Then. Yeah. And you have to refuel your boat um, before you give it back, but Sunsell pay for it. I was in your package anyway. Um, so we refueled and then waited around and people. Um, from Sunsail help you more up and then you you're expected to make the boat clean but the standard that it was handed to us you don't have to hand it back like that they come on with their chemicals and their shampoo their boat shampoos and things yeah. and make it all fancy and it was amazing it was brand new like looked brand new when we got it yeah. um, they just expect you to be decently clean and then they come mm. on and fumigate it yeah. downstairs for covid and um, wash the deck as well then. Mm. Yeah. But when on the last night as well, we did find that in Lefkast there was a lot more shops behind the restaurants because we didn't think there was really anything to Lefkast apart from the, the restaurants. But then when we went behind, there was the, the streets were so lively and there was really nice shops and it was, mm. it was really good when we like, went behind. That was like a big city. Um, yeah. When you went behind, there were shopping malls and um, kind of your high street clothing stores and stuff. We haven't found that anywhere else. So. And you had to wear masks in, like, everywhere outside? Or? Um, not out, no, not outside, just when you went into the shops. Okay, so mm. same as over here. Yeah, yeah. Well, same as England. But not yeah, Wales. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> same as England, not as Wales. <laughs> okay, and then I guess... That was it. You just headed back to the airport and 
Yeah, well, we, we left the we had to be off the boat at nine o'clock in the morning, and we weren't leaving till about four o'clock in the afternoon. So we paid five euros each to use the pool at the hotel because next to the marina there's a hotel. So we just paid to hang out at the pool then and went back into town for some lunch and went back to the pool and showered and changed ready to come home. Yeah. So did you have any negative experiences from your trip? Not really, not really negative. I think Sparta Koru was probably the worst food. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think if we went there again, we'd go up into the town. And then if we got asked or you didn't eat our restaurant, you would just pay for the electrics then. Yeah, it's the flotilla trap. You know, you have to use the restaurant that they've booked mm. in order to pay for the electricity. The reality is you can probably sneak off from the large group, but we ended up eating a fairly average meal for very expensive yeah. prices. It, so was it wasn't great. Probably the most expensive that week, expensive. but it was the worst yeah, food. It was the but it's not all like that. So don't yeah. assume that you're going to get bad food because um, all of the week up until Spartacore, yeah. the, the meals and the food that were provided and the service and the friendliness that we experienced on the pontoons um, was, was really good. Mm. The pontoon people will come out and help you more up, especially if you're not part of the flotilla. Um, it's really friendly out there. It's really good food most of the time. Mm. And is there anything you'd change about your trip? Mm. Go for two weeks. <laughs> 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 or I think we did um, see a lot of people um, book a hotel before and after for a few days, especially after, because we came straight back and we went straight back into our lives and um, met some quite friends and it was just a lot to, we didn't have much recovery time and you do need some poolside hotel. Sailing's time. not a chilled out holiday. Mm. I mean, it is when, you, when you're motoring, you're kind of chilled out, like you can just sit on the boat. But it's not as chilled out as like going by the pool, maybe walking to a famous monument, and then like like sitting at the beach all day. It's mm. yeah, that's the one thing with the sailing holiday. You don't do the touristy monument sightseeing things. You just you sail all day. You go alongside. You sort yourselves out. You have dinner. You go to bed, and you do the same again. Although if you were into that thing, you probably could. So on our free days, some people went motored quite quickly straight to um, a closer um, port um, and then went on to land and went around the shops and all and then in fact uh, Fiscardo there was some caves that the flotilla people um, took some of our flotilla to see so our options and if you aren't really part of, like you don't enjoy the sailing part of it as much you can um, motor around and find some places and have a good swim as well yeah, yeah. swimming the water's really warm you can see right down to the bottom yeah. when it's 10 meters and less and it was really good to snorkel as well because you could see so many fish and yeah it was really really good amazing what was the most memorable part of the trip for you and what was your most favorite part of the trip um, <laughs> my favorite part was the snorkeling because and the swimming because it's you can't when like you're swimming in Wales it's cold and you can't see underwater or anything it's not as fun but when we were in Greece you could see underwater we did the paddleboard and I flippered at the back so it meant we'd go really really fast yeah that I think that was my favorite part. Okay. Okay. Um, 
I think my favourite and most memorable part is being on the boat and learning a lot more. So compared to last year, I've now consolidated what I've learned and I'm more confident in what I can do. And I'm definitely looking at going further with it. I think Bethan and mum are kind of like, it's enjoyable and I'll do it for a holiday, but I definitely <laughs> want to um, persevere with it. And probably the kids, kids um, like teenagers and 20 year olds doing the fertilla are usually people who are just starting uni or in their uni summers because they're quite long summers. So they come out um, and work on the fertilities then. So I think that'd be quite a nice thing to aim for. You certainly sound very passionate about it. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're desperate to get the sales up every day. <laughs> so that kind of leads me on to my next question. If people wanted to follow in your footsteps and they never, don't know anything about sailing, never tried it, how would they go about? Do you have any recommendations? Well, to do it on none ex no experience, you would need to really book it with a skipper yeah. who would then help you on board, direct you and do everything for you. And you could help them with the sails and the ropes and learn as you're going. But to do it without a skipper, one of you would have to have your day skipper certificate. There was a time where you didn't necessarily have to have that. But now one of you in the group does have to have that. Mm. So you have got some knowledge of the sale. So there are places around the UK where you can have sailing lessons and get your certificate. Mm. Or the people that we got to know on the trip, they got into sailing and they learned to sail and get their day skipper on a flotilla trip. I don't, not on a flotilla trip, sorry. Um, in Greece, in Greece yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think it depends what you prefer I think we definitely did it the way it was very good how we did it because we learned in a bit more difficult conditions so we, we learned more than we needed for Greece so we learned how to put a few more reefs in and handle the boat in stormy conditions um, and then you go out to Greece it's quite peaceful and you're quite relaxed then and then if you learn in Greece but then you plan to stay around the UK you might then have to have a skipper again around the UK to kind of teach you a little bit more mm -hmm. about those conditions and tides and currents are a lot stronger around here. So I think if you are looking at doing it by yourself and it's a, something you look to do in the future for a long time, start off by learning in the UK so you've got, got that experience and then you'll be a lot more confident going elsewhere. Yeah. It's not really the sort of holiday you just go without, have, without having done any sailing before. Not no. no, you need to have some experience at it to be safe and know what you're doing on the boat then and were there a lot of families doing it similar to you or were you quite unusual there was, yeah there was a mixture of people there was um a couple who were sailing there was a guy and his two daughters mm -hmm. and a couple with one young son there's large families and a couple of large families together with on larger with boats all the children that's put in two boats mm, yeah. yeah there was like one family they was like eight there was a family of eight and then they also had their other family of four on another boat so they were kind of like together but as there were so many of them they split into two and they seemed like they were prop they were fat like sailing a proper sailing family mm. i think it depends what you're going for because if you're going for um, the sailing, you probably want to get a smallish boat that you can handle with the sails up. Whereas people who are looking at a relaxing, massive family holiday, looking at a catamaran, 
where you don't really get the fields up and you motor around and it's lots of living space mm-hmm. um, it's a very very big caravan yeah it's a big mixture of people in yeah. the flotilla yeah i think the week before we had a lot of long, uh, young children as well do you have any recommendations for future travelers that you've not touched on Learn your knots. <laughs> yeah. That was the one limiting factor in the family was not tying. Um, I think what to pack, pack more swimsuits and um, tops and things. You don't, you need evening wear, nice things to wear yeah. out. But we did think we were going to be in shorts and t-shirt on the boat and you end up just sailing in your swimsuit. Yeah, and rash vests as well because they were really helpful to keep you cool and obviously not get sunburned. And then when you're in the water, you get out, you don't need to put a top on, you just wear your rash vest, you don't need to change mm-hmm. or anything. Sorry, actually, think. Yeah, rash, rash vest. Yeah. I thought that was just because Yeah, so yeah, we didn't pack any of those in with us, mm. and we definitely need some more swimwear. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like you know, the light clothes you just put over the top of your swimwear, like when you're sailing around, mm. is good. And do you have any plans for where you'd like to go next? The Caribbean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aim high. After like the lottery. Yeah. Yeah. Or Greece again, because it would be quite nice to do that again. Yes. I think doing the same route again yeah. would be really beneficial because we've learned a lot about the little hacks. So this bay behind the fishery is really good to get to and this restaurant is nice. Yeah, we def- I think we don't really do the same holiday again, but I think this time we would do it again. Mm-hmm. And do, like Ellie said, do the same route. We learned so much and you could do things differently as well. I think there's so much more to Greece though. I think mm. the same route you'd, you'd miss out. You could go north towards Corfu, yeah. you could yeah. so many other places there to are, go, you know? Yeah, there are loads and loads and loads of places. Like mm. there's loads of options as well. Yeah. The had, had, I didn't look at it, but there, there was, was about three different routes you can do. Yeah, yeah, and then they have Croatia, the Caribbean, yeah, some other places as well. Mm-hmm. UK. Yeah, okay, not as sunbathing though. <laughs> yeah, that was our backup plan. If we couldn't fly, we're going to try and get a boat around Portsmouth and Solent and see if we could sail around there. Well, thank you so much, guys. It's been so interesting talking about your trip. I'm sure you will definitely have inspired quite a few people with your amazing sailing trip. I mean, I'd never heard of that before and certainly inspired me to look into it. I know that my husband would like to do a bit of sailing, so I better not m- mention to him about it. <laughs> Thanks so much. I'd never heard or thought of a sailing holiday before chatting with Anne Herod and her family, and it certainly sounds like a really interesting way to see the Greek islands. I love that it involved the whole family and is a great way to ditch the technology and to really get away from it all. However, it doesn't sound like a last minute idea for a holiday or a super relaxing beach style holiday with little to no planning, but that's not the style that we like on Trip Report, eh? I hope it's inspired you to look into sailing as a different style of holiday or vacation. Next time on Trip Report, I'm going to do a special episode on travelling during Covid and the current options for British travellers. Should we be booking for 2021? Where can we go right now? Where do we even start when trying to get away? And where do our rights stand in terms of insurance and late cancellations? Until next time, travel well and travel safe.